Community is everything in speculative fiction. Reading and writing can be a lonely business, but it's when you get connected with fellow fans, readers, and authors that books become far more than bound stacks of paper or words on a screen, but a huge community of brilliant, imaginative, and wonderful people. Of course, the height of fan community can be at the convention, where fans can interact with each other and their favorite authors face-to-face, -face, sitting on panels, going to signings, readings, the list goes on. But in lieu of that, online communities have been bringing fans together since the late 80s when fan bulletin board systems began popping up sporadically, offering users a limited interface to rub elbows with other like-minded nerds via dial-up. Since then, online communities have continued to evolve from newsgroups to Yahoo to MySpace, even to our own Facebook group, Grimdark Fiction Readers and Writers, which was really the community of people that inspired our podcast to begin with. So Phil and I took to the internets and sought out some of our favorite online communities, and our guests today represent what we feel may be the very epicenter of genre fiction in cyberspace. And that place is reddit.com's fantasy forum, affectionately known as rfantasy. In fact, it's a group so huge we brought not one guest, but two guests from that beloved forum. Steve Drew is a business executive and founder of the rfantasy community as you... El Queso Grande. El Queso Grande. It's a, El Queso Grande. It means the big okay. cheese in, in uh, Spanish. <laughs> so, and, it, and in Spanish, it just means you're a big piece of cheese. It doesn't mean the nuances of that. Oh, God. <laughs> so Steve works quietly behind the scenes with the R Fantasy mod team to help set up a relatively civil place on the internet where authors, artists, fans, and industry people can interact. AMA's Writer of the Day, weeks dedicated to international writings, giveaways, and the annual Stabby Awards. Wish for a giraffe is a bureaucrat and finds that lends itself well to moderating large communities between rules and the planning and organizing. She's been a member of Reddit for three years and has subscribed to R Fantasy for basically that entire time. She was invited to become a mod about a year and a half ago and for her has meant submitting great content, keeping it a welcoming place for everyone and strengthening ties within the community. So Steve, Drew, and Wish for a Giraffe, which we will call you Wish from here on out uh, to both of you. Thanks so much for joining us on the Grim Tidings podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's very cool to have you join us. We were actually um, having so much uh, pre-show conversation. We're like, just hit the damn record button. We need to <laughs> we need to get the stuff on tape. So uh, we're glad to have you two on board. And really, we wanted to highlight our fantasy today because we've been doing this show for about a year now, interviewing multiple uh, authors within genre fiction, uh, a lot of fantasy authors, grimdark authors, what have you. And our fantasy comes up relatively regularly in our conversation when we ask about what are you doing online? How are you connecting with fans, the Facebook, the Twitter gets mentioned, but our fantasy comes up quite regularly from now on. And it's really become a hub, I think, for both fans, authors and readers on a daily basis. For me, at least, I've got the uh, Reddit app on my phone and I check out Reddit, our fantasy every day, along with multiple other uh, subreddits as well. So I'm a fan of the website and uh, I'm a fan of our fantasy for sure. And I wanted to bring you two on the show just to highlight the website because I think people should be over there. It's a reddit.com slash r slash fantasy is the website that folks can go to and there's daily topics brought up there um, interesting conversations um, you've got your own stabby awards you do charity work so many awesome things taking place over there right now i think you're just about at ninety thousand users active subscribers to that subreddit so by the end of this conversation i think you'll have at least ninety thousand and one um <laughs> users on the website so you're welcome for, for this <laughs> sudden influx of traffic but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll introduce you both. Maybe, uh, Steve, how did you get involved with our fantasy? This one, yeah, it'll take a little bit. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, about 10 years ago, I was working for uh, an internet company. And um, 
one that was out there looking at acquisitions on a regular basis. And that, that's my role in business is, is mergers and acquisitions and business restructurings and things like that. So I was dealing with a churn of offerings coming out there and, and uh, a group called Y Combinator had a number of projects underway, including one small one at that time called Reddit uh, that uh, uh, involved social networking, mostly at that point. Uh, involve people within the, the California tech market talking to each other on a regular basis. It was very, very different from the Reddit we saw today. You know, from from my company uh, at that point, it was being shopped around, and the price point was pretty high. and And I could tell that uh, they were just looking for somebody to go compete with Condé Nast to buy it. But to kick the tires, I took a look and uh, started up a, a couple things uh, on there. You know, I, I think I may have looked at a cooking subreddit. I looked at the science fiction one for a bit. And uh, after a while, I checked out, um, uh, I saw that nobody had claimed uh, fantasy yet. And I said, well, that's a genre I enjoy. Let me let me give that a try and see how Reddit works and whether this is uh, one of the communities that's going to survive or one of the many uh, way back then that, uh, that didn't. So that was the foundation of, of Reddit fantasy is pretty boring. It was uh, somebody looking to potentially buy it and and uh, to kick the tires on it. And the the answer was it wasn't the right fit for us. It was, it was too much money. Um, the Reddit model is difficult to make money with. And, and even 10 years later, there's still what you call in the red. Over the years, I've kept in touch with Reddit management and things like that. But mostly from the Reddit fantasy, that's been that's been what stuck with me. And then for you, uh, Wish, how did you get involved with the, with the forum itself? I started out the way I think most new users start out lurking. And gradually, you know, I'd been subscribed. Well, not subscribed. I'd followed Tor.com for a long time, so started submitting links from there and other places across the web and just started interacting with people more. And they had opened um, applications for moderators. And so I put myself in. I didn't really expect to get chosen, but I really cared about the community a lot and felt like I'd submitted good content and generated good discussion. And when Steve and the rest of the mod team at that point picked me, I was delighted. It all just grew from there. Yeah, and that's one of the things. we had. Uh, I had operated solo for six years, five years uh, on the site, uh, brought on a, a mod for some of the tech aspect of it. You know, it was just one of those organic growth, very slow growth periods. And uh, over the years, up to the point where Wish came on board, we just, we sort of chugged along just doing things uh, on an entrepreneurial basis. And what we needed was some more leadership within the group itself, those who could actually uh, make things happen, who had a passion about making things happen. And, and Wish stood out as, as, and has stood out as one of our most uh, best leaders within the community, in addition to the mod team as well. So she's being a little, little you know, self-facing <laughs> with this one. She just stood out as that's somebody we want uh, helping out our community. Now, how big is your team now? We just added three. So what are we up to? Nine, I think. Uh, yeah, something like that. I mean, we have a couple on the team who are not super active, but are still on the list. So, the, you know, it's a it, it's the strange world of online um, uh, communities. And in this sense, we have some that are extraordinarily passive, and that's a good way of describing. I haven't seen them in a year, but uh, I know that they can be active and can be very good when they're active. And right. uh, this is, you know, this is a an effort of volunteer effort. And uh, we're not going to take them off just because of that. Um, you know, if if life gets in the way, then then take some time off and come back and moderate the way that you've done in the past. That's kind of the philosophy. Mm -hmm. So I'd say uh, five active mods, and then we just brought three on to help um, be just as active. I was actually a moderator for a while on a website, and 
one of the challenges I've noticed for moderators is dealing with uh, personalities that don't necessarily gel very well with each other in an online community. Well, what what are some sort of issues that you've noticed that have cropped up over over the years? Um, I mean, in the community at large, from a moderation standpoint, it's just people not following the rules. The main rule that we moderate by is please be kind. Um, from my standpoint, I kind of look at that from, you know, Will Wheaton's don't be an asshole, um, <laughs> which they're not exactly the same rule, but they complement each other. We'll not name names as we go. So I think we'll, we'll touch a couple of <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. And I'm, I'm doing my best. Yeah. It, uh, so I, I think they what you're going to find in this interview is uh, there's a reason a lot of people don't interview us is because um, we've set up uh, systems and processes and, and have had a wide network of people buy into it. And, and a good chunk of that is uh, the, the please be kind. And I think we link to an XKCD um, panel that talks about the difference between the, you know, the, your Fifth Amendment rights and, and if you're just an asshole and we want you to go. And that helps quite a bit. What it does is, is it helps keep people within a certain level of, of tolerance of, of how to build a community. The other big one that we have is, uh, is uh, please keep it close to science fiction, fantasy, and speculative fiction. And what that does is it allows us to rein in a conversation that devolves into whatever may be the, the bad thing of the moment, whether it's piracy or whether it's uh, gender-related issues or whether it's the politics going on, uh, real-life politics, or just somebody being, um, you know, flogging an issue. And, and those two things, you know, the, the goal for the, the site is to have, it doesn't matter what your political background is, it doesn't matter where you come from internationally or nationally, it doesn't matter what your, your passions are, we want you talking about science fiction and fantasy and, and speculative fiction. We want you doing it in a way that, that is interesting and engaging if you can be, or if you just want to sit back, that's okay. So if you follow certain principles, we've got people that, that would hate each other uh, uh, on different subreddits or on, on the site uh, or elsewhere, but, you know, we just keep it within certain levels of tolerance. And um, that's what's kind of kept people coming back from a moderating standpoint. I think from your, so what it does is it, it kind of ruins some of your question. We don't get a lot of people coming in and and, and it's not as many as you'd expect coming in and, and, and blowing up the place because there's a certain, when you show up and you see a pattern that's developed around people treating each other fairly well, authors showing up and talking with each other, they kind of settle in and say, okay, that's what this place is about. And if I want to go swing hard about a an issue or, or deal with my anger management issues, you know, just take it somewhere else. And that's where we end up moderating a lot of this stuff. So our most of our challenges come from uh, the definition of spam. Um, we have authors that, that want to be heard and we want them to be heard. Uh, but they're not famous yet. And how can you how can you become famous? Well, you know, some folks feel that it's uh, splashing down in a large community with uh, their works on a regular basis, but not engaging. Other authors, you know, some people just have issues. And uh, some of those, you know, I don't know if you want to be able to describe, you know, if we have a, a couple flare-up authors that, that um, you know, they have challenges sometimes. And we've been known to have some background conversations with them to say this is what the community is about and please stay in line. Uh, and others, you know, you just have to 
let them know very quietly that this isn't the right place for them. And it's just, you know, those are the big flare-ups that we see. And to, to keep things, you know, on that even keel, we don't we don't name names. You know, you don't see it publicly. You'll see the, the thrashing going on in the background. Same thing with publishers. We'll have a conversation with publishers that may not be behaving in a, in a way that's uh, beneficial to the community or self-serving, or, you know, they might have an ego that pops up that, uh, you know, we had one publisher go after a, a couple of our, um, uh, our moderators one time. So, you know, just use, you know, I've got a background in negotiating and, and dealing with people and, and know how this works. And, and uh, you know, you just protect your team, you protect the site, and you let them know what's going to happen and what's not. <laughs> and, and we'd like to welcome you back in when you want to behave better again. But for now, this is not a good place for you. <laughs> I think the new authors who come to our fantasy never having used Reddit before at all, I think is also a little bit problematic because whether they've showed up for, you know, their writer of the day or their AMA or coming to just drop off links, you know, for the self-promo, not even checking out our self-promo roles, they don't really know how to do what they're attempting to do. And sometimes even if you try and walk them through it, they really don't get it. But that's, that's much rarer than most of the other stuff that Steve talked about. It's yeah, it, it comes down problematic, to problematic, but yeah. not as often. You know, the the boring processes we put in place uh, help a lot. They just you they know do. something. Yeah, really do. It just, it takes the edge off of a number of people. Some of the things that we have to deal with on a regular basis are we get a thousand new members every two weeks. Every fifteen days, we get a new thousand people that show up. You know, two months later, there's there's six to eight thousand. Uh, science fiction fantasy fans who have not asked the uh, "Have you read Brandon Sanderson yet?" question, <laughs> or you know, do you uh, you know do you you know I I don't normally read female science fiction fantasy authors uh, question, and and it's it's a self reflection, and we get eight thousand five hundred um, uniques a day. Uh, coming through, so it's a you know it's a general indicator how many people take a look. So it's it's a lot higher headcount than membership. And uh, some folks will say, well, what's wrong with Reddit fantasy? As if we're like a monolith that sits still. And you know it's the same questions, and it gets so tiring uh, sometimes to to deal with it. But you do because how do you shift uh, people from from being new and curious and or 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 you know, folks that, that are at that age and that gender where reading Ayn Rand sounds like a good idea. You know, how do you shift them to, to you know, okay, you know, maybe I maybe I should take a broader look at what, re- what fantasy is about or speculative fiction. Maybe there are a number of authors within certain genres I haven't read yet. I should be, I, you know, it'd be good to check them out. Here's an author right now in, in that uh, writes something that I didn't expect. And to bring in that, that wide variety of views and, and opinions so that you're constantly bringing the new members and the current members into a, a view where, where we're one big science fiction and fantasy family. And then secondly, there's some good things to check out out there. And we're not pushing anything, but what we do push is, hey, take a look, you know, and, and, and open things up. And, and that's part of why I set up the auto moderator functions, you know, the, the recommendation mm-hmm. threads twice a week. That's a way to kind of corral those Brandon Sanderson questions. Not that it, <laughs> not that it always helps. I mean, we still get a lot, but some people do put them in the rec threads twice a week. You know, the self-promo thread twice a month keeps most of that stuff in one place, which also makes it easier for the people who want to go looking for it to find, which is, it's good on two levels there. And I think probably from my standpoint at any the Friday general thread is 
by far the best community building part of the auto moderator functions because that's where people are making friends and making connections. Isn't it pretty funny? You're interviewing a couple of bureaucrats here, but that's you know that's why <laughs> it's why we're you just we we stay quiet because it's you know you're in there you're engaging behind the scenes. I think what you're you'll also find and and I know Wish sees this all the time is that we have authors that have bought into that concept. So these conversations happen offline, either either at cons or amongst each other, like what you're hearing, where we want to bring in uh, a variety of views within the science fiction and fantasy community. And that once the authors who really get it understand what we're doing with the average science fiction fantasy fan is exposing them to new things and new views and, and uh, just broadening it so that they can they can read more and enjoy the, the genre more, we'll get authors in constantly that you just you may not see them until they pipe up, like Robin Hobb or or Jenny Wirtz. Uh, there's a you know Brandon Sanderson's on here all the time, even though he doesn't pop in. What he'll do is he'll sometimes reach out to somebody behind the scenes, or he will um, you know he'll make a comment. The other you know there's a collection of so many authors out there that come in and and they understand what the concept is. We just want to make this a decent place for people to to engage with authors, industry people like what you do at Grimdark. You know those that create like the artists. And uh, and the fans and and all we're here to do is just be a conduit to make that a pretty good engagement and to add content when it makes sense and and to help uh, facilitate that conversation. And the key is to find good leadership where we can enhance things. Uh, you know, automate where you automate, or just pitch in. You know, stop start helping uh, with questions. Well, Steve just said the magic word. He said uh, grimdark. So that that means Rob, it's time to yes. uh, do mm. our obligatory. <laughs> Grimdark question, <laughs> as we are required by contract. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would you like to? Would you like to take this one, Rob? I took the last time. So. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, yeah. Since we are the Grim Tidings podcast, and Grimdark is, we talk about it now and again on the show. I suppose I'll uh, pose the question to either of you. What are your thoughts on the Grimdark subgenre? How have you seen it kind of maybe grow and develop within the R fantasy community? Do you have any thoughts or opinions you'd like to share on it? You know, genre fiction goes through cycles and Grimdark seems like a cycle. I honestly sort of seems like it's kind of getting towards the end of that cycle, perhaps. I don't know enough about it. It's not really my thing. I hope because there's a lot of authors who are doing well at it that, you know, for them that it's not the end of a cycle because there's also a whole bunch of people who really enjoy it. But marketing being the way that it is, there's only so long that you can push things that are new and edgy. And if Grimdark has been edgy for so long, is it still truly edgy? I just finished a what I would call Grimdark urban fantasy and boy, was it grim. And I... <laughs> wouldn't have read it except that it was for book bingo and uh <laughs> grim was really the word <laughs> and it was actually from 2010 so i mean it was maybe even from sort of the beginning of the curve of grimdark have you seen it the discussions come up about it still and like oh yeah uh, yep. i mean people like i said lots of people still really enjoy it but my fear is that you know publishing as an industry is just sort of always chasing that next new thing that they can get people interested in well, what would you say the next big thing is what what are what do people seem to be clamoring for more and more like i want more of this or i want more of that it seems like it might really be more character-driven. And I am not great about keeping up with very, very new fiction. 
this year I'm not even actually buying any new books. I'm reading books that I already own because I have such a huge backlog. But one of the other moderators and somebody who I talk to a lot off of Reddit also, she reads new stuff all year long and most of what she's been reading is very character driven. And we'll pose the question to to you, Steve. We've cycled through these things a number of times. You know, what's the definition of grimdark and who gets to define yes. it? You know, the yeah, <laughs> Me, who's, in, who's in it? Yeah, there you go. Who's in and who's <laughs> art? You know, it, it, no, that's not grimdark. And and as if there's a voice out there that judges the genre as to <laughs> as to what qualities fit and don't. And you know, at some point, I think history will decide what what falls in and out of it. It's a uh, you know, it is that challenge out there where uh, you know, under the Dewey Decimal System and and under book sales in a in a bookstore, how do you set it up? so that birds of a feather uh, can buy books. So I liked Mark Lawrence's Prince of Thorns. What else would I like? Well, check it out because it's part of this grimdark genre. And, uh, you know, it's good. Fine. You know, we've got a new definition of something that didn't fit under high fantasy or low fantasy or whatever other things were, were in the past. You know, and you've got the Warhammer people all upset with the name. No, that's not. So <laughs> it it's become its own thing. And I and I, I personally enjoy the genre. And But I need a palate cleanser after a, a bit of it. You know, I'll yeah. go pick up my Pratchett or, or you know, something else. <laughs> I've got a couple Guy Gabriel K novels that I've just been reserving to just, oh, I need to clear on my mind. I need some prose. <laughs> Uh, but I, I love that. You know, if it's well written, if it's well written, and and then it's it's a genre that I do enjoy very much. Uh, but it does come back again to what's my experience. I'm not going to slog through grimdark just because it, you know I need to explore the whole genre. I'm going to slog through it because there's some great writing in there, and it, and it touches that bit of horror, bit of um, um, you know what's going to happen next and unknown that I enjoy personally. I'm good with it. I'm very very good with it. There's very few genres I'm not good with. You know, some I just don't connect well with. But this is one I'm, I'm alright with. Um, as far as next next genres, we'll see some things push pipe up. When I started this, I, w- I had no zero publishing or author experience. So when I talk about the experiences I have in, in the publishing and, and genre and author industry, it's only based on online and helping authors who aren't comfortable being online get online and then helping setting up processes and then backing into the industry that way. And what I do see are, are industry pushes for genres. So it's almost as if they all, you know, the, the semi-Hollywood view, this year we're going to do sharks. You know, and <laughs> and uh, like there's not a, 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 you know, and then they're going to push it. And I've seen a couple of those, you know, pop up and then fall off, um, you know, and it doesn't mean that the authors involved with them, you know, are, are caught up in that as a bad thing. The gunpowder magic uh, genre and series—that's one that came. Flintlock fantasy. Fl- Flintlock fantasy, and and I am a huge fan of Brian McClellan's writing. Um, but that was a that was a push to a certain degree, and and I think it may have been from some of the success that he was having. Uh, early on, uh, that others followed, or you know, maybe everybody was doing it, and they just reached out and called a bunch of them together and said, "We're going to try this." Uh, I'm seeing it within some of the historical stuff right now, where where you know, it's a bit of flailing. They're, you know, the the industry is trying to find that next uh, the next uh, dystopian future Hunger Games esque. <laughs> Uh, hit, you know, and and for a good chunk of the time, the industry can sometimes push it out there, and then you end up with a bunch of of you know almost mid list books where people are say, well, that's okay, that's okay, and then they'll try to push another genre. I'm I don't know about grimdark. I don't think grimdark has faded because you still have the success of Game of Thrones, which in the publishing industry they kind of sort of put in that genre, um, and uh, they'd like to find another version of that. So you'll you'll continue to see it pushed, but I I'd say probably the next one I see. Be some of the historical.
radical ones out there. Maybe some of the twists like you see with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and mm-hmm. but I don't know which one's going to work. You know, I can see the pushes, <laughs> but I'm I'm not one to accept a push. I'll take it when it, when there's good writing and in in a good author and a good story uh, inside a genre first. I'd like to see more uh, shark fantasy myself. Shark fantasy. <laughs> Do you see that weird dinosaur stuff going on? It's it's fun. I mean, you know, it's the loopy stuff that almost fits in the Terry Pratchett world. Uh, a lot of this is is how do you stand out from the crowd uh, type of activity, and and you can't blame the publisher for trying to do that because it's the same thing everybody else as a writer or or, a, or an author or a um, artist wants to do. They, they'd like to get their writing out there in front of people. They've got something to say and, and they, they'd like people to read it. So, you know, that, that pushing and pulling in, in area, it's becoming less of a powerhouse move by the publishers and more, you can't put your finger on it, but more sometimes more of an organic growth. And we'll see some of those pop up on our fantasy ahead of the publishing sometimes even. It's an interesting way as long as you keep an eye on on that space, you can sometimes see things happen. You know, Brian McClellan's success on our fantasy, I, I don't know why he did it. You know, the first time he showed up, everybody loved the guy. Everybody loved his writing. Um, it had very little to do with uh, with the publisher at all. It had a lot to do with his personality and, and even more so the quality of his writing. Uh, and uh, for some reason, it, it clicked and connected. There's others I've seen that I thought would be fantastic and, and uh, you know, do a, do a fantastic job out there in the industry and their books would sell and they don't. And uh, it's just, I think more than anything else, you know, our fantasy is tending to be more of an aggregator and a central focal point for, for some of the good, some of the genres out there. You'll be able to see some trends building from that and what wish and i do on a regular basis is fend off the pushes you know people wanting to push uh, an agenda uh, you know you just follow the money you know <laughs> they just want to, they want to get the publishing you know how do we exploit this in such a way that that is either subtle or, or direct so that we can get our new genre or our, our publishing done and uh, some publishers have settled in over time and and uh, become great resources for the for our fantasy they get it you know this is a community if you act well and you do things people kind of take notice and, and over time it builds up a following to whatever genre you're trying to build or whatever you're dealing with uh, and others never get it they'll just keep trying to push until we shove them out the door grim shark grim shark <laughs> here we go that's the next thing big thing grim shark you heard it here i was going to start to to dive into the ama category um the ask me anything is the forum uh, topic that you often host where you have fantasy authors who volunteer their time to come onto the website and say, ask me anything, any any question is is fair game. Um, and it's actually kind of direct our path as far as interviewing goes because a lot of authors who we've had on the show have done an AMA in the past and we will go onto your website and check out the questions that have asked and we actually try not to ask questions that have been featured on an AMA because we don't like to cover old territory. I mean, there's huh. certain questions that yes, certain fans would like to hear, but we we try to keep things new and interesting and try not to beat dead horses whenever possible. So we will we will jump onto Reddit, we will check out the AMA and see what questions sort of resonate with authors, what sort of questions do not resonate, and hopefully not cover old territory. But uh, I, I really enjoy the AMA feature. It's a chance to just engage with these authors um, and ask them about their works, ask them about uh, their work process and things like that. So I find it really interesting. Uh, for uh, So I'll pose the question for you, Wish, and for you, Steve. What, what, what would you say makes for a successful author AMA? Um, well, first, I just want to say I'm really glad that somebody uses our old AMA wiki 
first off because it's kind of a pain to transfer all of the stuff into it. So I'm glad that people are using it. It's it's like <laughs> taking out the trash. You know, we all look at each other as mods, and then somebody finally puts their head down and says, "All right, fine, I'll I'll yeah. you know I'll do it. Copy paste, copy paste. You know. Anyway, so the history of this was um, our fantasy was essentially an aggregator of of people of who are interested in uh, science fiction fantasy and and mostly the fantasy world. And one of the things that um, I bumped into was a, a friend of mine who was a bit older who who mentioned in passing that he was going to a book signing and that there probably might be oh there might be thirty people and that'll make the author happy. And I thought, well, you know, at this stage of the game, we had about six thousand members. I'm like, if I have six thousand members and and I can have an author sit there with their own beverage of choice in hand and and their own computer without having to travel and interact, maybe you know that maybe that would be something worth doing. And this was the early stages of AMAs on Reddit. Maybe um, so maybe this was three and a half years ago. So I looked at what name kept coming up on Reddit, and it was Brandon Sanderson. Uh, so um, I'm like, well, I might as well reach out to this Brandon Sanderson guy who I've never met and uh, haven't read. Uh, he was active on Reddit at that at that stage and the only author who was. And uh, so I reached out and said, would you like to do an AMA with uh, our fantasy? We don't have processes set up or things like that. And he said, sure, why not? Let's, uh, let's have a go at it. Um, I don't think people understand how much Brandon Sanderson plants seeds and and enhances things in our industry, uh, helping out other authors, helping out podcasters where he can. He's, he's a guy that gives much, much more than uh, what people understand. He's a behind-the-scenes person. So we did an AMA. It was huge. So then I looked at my bookshelf and said, okay, who can else could I have on there? And I'd scroll over and go, okay, how? okay, he's dead. All right. You know? <laughs> and, and that's how involved I was in the industry. I just read books. So I got over to to uh, Robin Hobb and uh, I said, well, I'll get in touch with Robin Hobb. And oh, look, it's, you know, this is her real name. This is where she is. And so I reached out and, and she is also another one of those, um, uh, authors in the industry who you don't hear about it, but is always out there engaging with uh, the younger generation to try to build uh, the confidence and capabilities of authors out there and fans and fan connections. And she thought this was a great idea, but hadn't been online before uh, in, a, in something like this. So I had to write processes. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the steps we're going to do. And then she would say, well, can we try this? And we ended up rewriting the roots of AMAs on our fantasy through that engagement. From there, it went to, you know, I thought, well, how about this Rothfuss guy? You you know, so he came in. <laughs> I hadn't read him before, and uh, uh, and then after that, I'm like, well, we might as well get some non-famous authors. And uh, it was so it, it just evolved from there to you know, I need to bring some some different angles in because we're getting only famous authors, and what about those that aren't? And and that's how the AMA process started. It shifted from the traditional scrum that was happening with AMAs at that time and even today, where you know, if you're a, you're a fairly famous person, you can get onto uh, Reddit itself. You pop in for an hour people flood you with a thousand questions the snarkiest ones go to the top uh, if they can find out something about you that makes you know that makes somebody laugh they'll put it up there and, and embarrass who the person is and and it's it's a it's not uh, a very in-depth interviewing process let's put it you know that way. What we do is we post AMAs, have the author or 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 the participant, because we have a lot that are not authors, post earlier in the day. Say I'll be back at 5 p.m. Just put your questions up. What it does is it opens up a window for the internationals and others and time zones to find it. It allows people time to think about what kind of question they want to ask. The quality of questions have gone up because you know you're, when you're not there to just get the the funniest snippiest question out, um, it causes a lot of those to not even be asked unless that's the kind of author they are. 
are, kind of a punch-in-the-shoulder kind of author that, that has fun with those. So, you know, that's the evolution in the processes. Over time, there's authors that always show up, and then there's authors you need to reach out to and say, hey, would you like to join us? It's been, I think for you guys, um, there's there's kind of, there's a type of author that once they reach a certain level of fame, they don't need to do this anymore. They don't need to be on, on your podcast. They don't need to be it. Uh, it's wonderful when they do, though. And there's the authors that just, they're unreachable because they've reached that stage where they have handlers and, and, and the need isn't something, that's not how they want to give back to the community necessarily. And then you have those that are desperate to get in, you know? <laughs> and, and what we had, and I'll, I'll wrap up my part of this, um, what we had to do as a community, and this is how we handle a lot of these things, was the community wasn't necessarily treating those authors that aren't quite famous yet as well during AMA sessions. There was a bit of grumbling. They weren't getting questions. You know, they just were either independently published or not well known. So we as a community wanted to give them a forum and we created the writer of the day process. And it's like, look, this is more promotional. Get in there and show us what you do put links to your, your books, put links to where we can buy your books. If you want to offer your bo uh, book up for free, just so people can check it out. It's not an AMA, it's a promotional aspect. And that hit the needs of those who hadn't quite been published yet. So we kind of put people in one category or the other, not out of force, but just out of the community's desire to, to have an AMA be one thing. And then uh, AMAs are not promotional and then to have something set up in that area. And that's, that's kind of where we are up to today. Um, you know, wish I don't know. What do you what are you seeing in AMAs nowadays? Um, I mean, I would maybe disagree slightly with saying that AMAs aren't promotional because we still do <laughs> get, um, you know, the new authors who come in from you know one of the big publishing houses who it's their first book and you know their agent or somebody at their publishing house has said, you know, we've heard that you should go on our fantasy or there's somebody who like. Seth Dickinson um, had hung around our fantasy and wanted to have an AMA. So those folks, because they're being published by one of the big publishers, I would call that a promotional AMA. Um, yes. We try and time it around when their book comes out. And, you know, our, our recommendation is tell us a lot about yourself. Um, you know, don't get overwhelming, but don't make people have to work to come up with questions to ask you either. Um, because it's easier to ask interesting questions about people when you know a little bit more about them than it is to just ask really generic questions. I know for me, even if I hadn't met Megan O'Keefe at Worldcon when she released Steal the Sky, the fact that she said that she's a perfumer that opens up so many questions. That's so cool. So, so tell us what you do aside from writing books or tell us a little bit more about your book when you're writing the introduction to your AMA. And don't be shy about dropping in the links to Amazon or IndieBound or Barnes & Noble or all three so that people can buy your book instead of having to go searching for it. And, and the one thing that we do, we don't allow links for Amazon affiliate selling from anyone aside from authors. If authors want to allow those Amazon affiliate links, we do allow that. So they get a little bit extra. You know, Wish is completely right. When I define something as promotional, it's, it's where does it fall on that spectrum? You know, and, and uh, 
some of it is is what's a push, and then Reddit itself had had created a definition of what an AMA is and is not. It's an ask me anything. Uh, then it falls within our rules. So please be kind uh, and uh, and keep it with it. You know, it's you have to. You don't really follow those rules too tightly. It's just you know, if you're having a bad day, we'll have a chat with you. And if you're a troll, you know, you're out. But the definition of what makes a good AMA is really interesting because it, it does come down to a couple things. Sometimes there's that online persona. Somebody might be lovely uh, as, a, as a person in real life and, and uh, even as a writer, very, very engaging as a writer. And then you put them in a situation uh, like a podcast or, a, uh, or an AMA and they're just awful at it. You know? <laughs> they just have these personalities that don't translate well. Others are just extraordinary. They're either naturals or they've, they've just done so well at it. So like your your Joe Abercrombie um, uh, podcast, you, I, I haven't listened to it, but I know it's going to be extraordinary. <gasps> yes. uh, online, same thing. He can do in, in one or two sentences that most people can't. Some are just naturals, uh, like what you talked about, uh, Wish. Megan O'Keefe is just a, a lovely person, engaging and clever. And her online persona is much more powerful than, than even her writing presence. She's not a big name in the industry, but when she comes online, there's a level of respect and, and that works out well. And sometimes Sometimes mods can provide a level of coaching, you know, and and, mm -hmm. uh, and then there's times they don't want to be coached and you just give them a stage and that's okay. You know, it's just, it, it hurts sometimes to watch them on the stage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want them to do so well. And other times their true personality shows out. And sometimes that personality is not a very good one. You know, it's not, not one you want to put in front of people. I've had a very, very famous author show up. And one of the, the quotes I remember on there was, was it was the top, the top quote was, it seems like you really don't want to be here. And, and this was from a huge fan. And they were right, you know, and, and, and the AMA faded off. And, and it's, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things where the true character that that author shows up and sometimes it's best not for them not to be online. And other authors are, are may not be the best in some moments and others they are. Uh, yeah, like a lot of creatives, they, they have their uh, personality switches. Uh, so you just need to know which one's online at the moment. Sometimes I know that Wish will do the same thing. You kind of go offline and check in with them. How are you doing? You know, <laughs> you know which is if they're clever, they'll get the note that, you know, you might want to just go ahead and tone it down a bit. And others will just plow ahead and until they lose a third of their fan base because of their behavior. So the the whole like don't be an asshole thing. Do you, do you think that that does affect if a person goes online and and has that persona that affects their sales even if they're like a really good writer? Do you think, you know, writers need to be likable as people and as not just as good be good writers, but they also have to be likable in some aspect and not a, you know, person that just shows up and is a shill or whatever and just disappears. Is that an element that you've noticed at all? Yeah, certainly. Um, I can speak to this as both personal level. There are authors who I will probably never buy their books. We also <laughs> just got the results of our yearly census, and I think it was something like 60% said that an author's online presence, and this was both negative and positive, right. impacted their um, and their being our user base um, perception of you know, that author. 
you know, there's some of these are coachable moments. You know, there's some very famous authors who whose first presence uh, on our fantasy sets some people off, and and, um, and you know, if they if they want to have a chat about it, we'd love to. We do that, and uh, either as mods or as as friends, if we've made friends with them over time, you know, you just coach them through it of how to handle things differently one way or the other. A lot of this is is you know, you got your your big author pants on, and if you want to go do the online thing, you're going to have to either learn how to do it well or, or deal with the consequences of not dealing with it well. And then with creatives, that's a very interesting dance. It really is. <laughs> uh, so we've seen some crash and burn and then they show up later on and crash and burn. And, and just like Wish, there's some authors that I'm just not going to read because, you know, I just don't really enjoy them as a person. Uh, how they treat people, uh, how they handle fan interaction. Uh, you know, it takes quite a bit for me to not to get to that level. Uh, others, I just shake my head and say, that's just, you know, genius and madness are just so well related. And, and at this stage, yeah, I don't know which one you are, but this isn't working. And then there's the online personas that that's the only reason people have found them is because they've, they yes. are either genuine or they're just, you know, who is this person? <laughs> I mean, you are just out of, so some, some people are brilliant about it because of who they are. There's some that have created personalities online. And, and and held on to those personalities. And uh, it is a great tool for them. For the average author showing up, being genuine, interacting with, uh, with a fan base, doesn't have to be with our fantasy. Uh, it helps. I mean, it, it, there's no question it helps. <laughs> and then for some of those, it's just best that you, you stick, uh, stick with putting books out rather than not. It is kind of weird because uh, there, there have been authors I really liked as right. writers. And then I started following them on Twitter or something. And then suddenly I was like, eh, I don't like you so much anymore. I don't think I'm going to read your books anymore. And it's weird because I really do like them as writers. And it's just a kind of a weird feeling. And it kind of tugs on your, your well, entertainment yeah. mind and your emotional mind or something. If you have that empathy and, and then whatever connection you have with their writing or the characters they've created. I mean, that's, that's why we read. You know, you, you've got the worlds and the things building behind it. And at some point, you know, maybe it's best that, that you don't get to know the person <laughs> behind <laughs> it. Some authors have used the Internet to, to create a niche um, that, you know, or, or that's who they are. They're the kind of person are very passionate about either a political stance or a um, lifestyle choice or, or, or something that is really different. And some of those can be ones that may upset a good chunk of their fan base. Um, and uh, so be it. You know, those are the people that, that are strong enough or, or dedicated enough that they don't care or they do care so much or are passionate about what they, they want to be in real life that they're willing to, to sub-segment their, their fan base. You know, I can point to a couple that I think they use that to actually create their fan base. You know, um, all uh, some of the, the politics we have going on today, you know, where they, they say, well, if that's where you're, I'm going to be defined, I'm going to only have fans like that. They'll be, they'll be the most passionate fans I have. And there you go. There's marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, general topic, uh, what, what are some of the kind of issues, topics, controversial sort of um, discussions taking place um, as of late on our fantasy that you've seen popping up? You had to go there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Give us the juicy. So, <laughs> we do wish we uh, let's go through the rotating ones. Uh, so, so this is this is back again to the you know you get six thousand new science fiction fantasy fans coming in every every uh, two months, and and they're all of a tip. You know, there's on bell curve. There's there's a, a broader diversity than people I think understand. But in general, they're going to be your average online science fiction fantasy fan, with maybe fifty percent of them coming from international. 
and and we do surveys so we we know what's going on and who's there and then how can we we provide things to them you always hear the this is the the 19 year old uh, male fan come in and say i don't read female writers and you know then you'll, you'll you know it's not an eyeball rolling it's just like okay we're we're gonna have that conversation again because we have enough people that haven't had that conversation thousands of them that we're gonna have it again and what we have put in place and this is where wish is just you know i mean this is one of the reasons we do so well is is we have these areas set up where we can point to people and say, here's a group of female writers specifically in this area. There's some you've probably read that you, for some reason, don't remember the, that it was a female writer. Uh, and, and it kind of breaks down the, the, the generalization in that. And then we have a group of female writers and male writers that, that, just, that just jump in at that point. Sometimes they get a little tired of it. You know, we, we just say, hey, why don't you take a break? They're troopers. <laughs> yeah, they're they're troopers. really troopers. <laughs> uh, you know, but they do come, but they are, it, it is Robin Hobb and it is Jenny Wirtz and it is um, Courtney Schaefer and, and Meg. It is, um, you know, it's everybody in the team. You don't get mad. Uh, here we go again because it's not monolithic. Uh, you just, you know, how, how can we best set this up so so that our, our fan base shifts from, from what might be a more extreme view to, okay, I understand now. And uh, we're not pushing an issue. It's it's just one that comes up regularly. I think that we're not, unfortunately, just an online community of fantasy and science fiction and speculative fiction fans. We're that on Reddit. And so there's sometimes the toxicity of Reddit seeps in. And so some of those conversations have some of the Reddit hive mind drug in with them. So sometimes people are willing to have their mind changed and sometimes people aren't. Sometimes people are there just to argue, just to troll. And it's usually pretty apparent in four or five comment exchanges which of the two someone is. And, you know, we have users who are willing to have the back and forth with them on both levels, which is good. But there was a time four or five months ago where I was a lot more willing to get involved in the debates. And now I uh, I do my best to stay out of them so that when it's time for me to go in and remove comments and put my mod hat on, I can do that while not have been involved actively in the discussion. It's easier to have stayed out of it and not have you know, tried to convince somebody. It's a bit of mod PTSD. You know, you just, you know, you develop a <laughs> flinch uh, after a while. But the reality is you develop not only an instinct, but an understanding of when somebody is having a bad day or, or somebody's really trying to figure things out in their world and maybe they're not there yet. Or is it just somebody there to swing to, to harm? And, you know, the, the, it's not much of a nuance. Once you sort it out that it's the, it's the last one, then, you know, it's like, look, you know, that's, it, it's just not going to change any views. And, and, and unless you, that's why you're there for the day. Uh, is to swing back at somebody for a bit. You just move on. It's just like, look, there's just people you're not going to change your views, and that's okay. We're there for the average fan that that just you know little you know they're just looking for you know they just they have an opinion or a view, and they're looking to having a conversation about it. And that's that's why we're there. Um, I'm seeing a lot more people show up each day who are not redditors, and every day we get around 
you know, that 8,500, 9,000 uh, uniques popping through each day. And uh, those things that pop up uh, and even the engagement, you know, might be somebody that just as brand new came anywhere from the internet, created a Reddit account at that second, and then they started engaging. And that's back again to what is a Redditor and what is not a Redditor. And, and we'll see some things pop up where maybe it's just somebody engaging with their favorite author for a little bit and then leaving and others are an issue. And then uh, where Wish, Wish really nailed it is uh, Reddit itself has its own uh, challenges. And we've been able to carve out a place within there uh, with Reddit as a host uh, to um, facilitate what we think is, is, a, is a better interaction among fans and, and authors and, and people in the industry than most places on Reddit. Um, so we're a little bit less of Reddit than we've ever been before. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. As far as, aside from, you know, the the women in fantasy discussions, um, other controversial topics that have come up lately was um, we had several days worth of discussions about J.K. Rowling writing about native wizards. That one got real ugly real fast. Um, we had lots of comments lots of comments that got moderated that one did not stay on topic very well either those are almost the fights within our genre so if something pops up within the within the writing world or publishing world or the genre world if it pops up on twitter it'll come up on our fantasy or, or a lot of times mm -hmm. vice versa it'll show up on our fantasy and then go out on twitter and it may be the, the scrap of the day um the hugo awards issues going on you know it was interesting it it, it hit for a while and it's 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 died down you know cameron hurley wrote about this one we always we have always fought you know and, and as a genre i think we're not especially good to each other we end up chewing on each other for a while and, and uh sometimes an author will get fed to the wolves just for the, the flare up of the moment others are systemic issues that, that come up because they need to come up and and maybe they are around things like the jk rowling and what is the dance you have to dance when you when you're writing about other cultures and, and other races and uh our hope in our fantasy is to be able to get those into something where you don't necessarily come to a conclusion, but you have a discussion about it. And where the policing comes in is when it devolves into, you know, that, that slap fest around it. Even if it is a very serious issue, we want it to be discussed as such. And if people disagree, discuss it as, uh, you know, you can you can be angry with each other. You can just keep it on task. But as soon as it devolves into into slapping each other, we'll, we'll put a stop to it and pull people off. Other big ones that come up are piracy. Um, mm -hmm. That is a, an online third rail for a lot of authors out there. The polls and the discussions around, you know, 90%, 95% of the authors are, you know, this is money out of my pocket and I don't get much money to begin with. I've created something and I'd like to get, you know, compensated for it so I can afford to create more. And that's really about it. It's the same aspect for artists as well. But to say that online uh, creates that the, the pro-piracy, this is good for you and let me tell you what's good for you uh, attack. So we on our fantasy have kept that every time it comes up every two three months you know we just know we have to keep a finger on the trigger there's some authors that are willing to wade into it and that's not you know i don't think it's necessarily healthy to wade into it the way they do but uh others just say hey take listen to our point of view a little bit and um so that's a constant one. There seems to be something about the online communities that feel it, it, pirating is good for you as an author. Therefore, you know you should be thanking me for for doing it. And that's not you know, and and that is the the crux of the argument. Uh, here, let me show you the ten ways why it's good for you. And the the attacking in that area is incredible. We don't see as much of the gamergate stuff. If there's somebody flaring up about an issue like that, it may be forty. 
uh, who are are of the Gamergate versus one who's who's on the other side of the spectrum. So we see a little bit on the other side, but mostly those issues are just online issues that bleed into our world as well. And we try our best to, to manage it from a policing standpoint, but more anything else, we try to bring them into the community. You know, you can block them out and say no, or you can bring them in and say, okay, did, you know, maybe you learn something that, that uh, these authors are actually, you know, okay people. <laughs> you know, and maybe they're just normal people who are creative and trying to make a living and and uh, enjoy writing. And uh, maybe you could just kind of calm down a little bit. So that's that's why yeah, that's how we that's the philosophy of the site is is to try to even incorporate those people, not from an embrace standpoint, but we know what you're about. Just come on in anyway. We're it's science fiction and fantasy. Come enjoy it. Yeah, we actually talked about uh, diversity and science fiction and fantasy topic with Rebecca. Cash, who works for Harper Voyager, and we're asking her, and she mentioned a little bit about the J.K. Rowling situation, mm. and and uh, something I've seen come up a lot in writers forums specifically is like, how do I write diverse characters without being attacked by people for doing it wrong? And this is this is one topic I think a lot of writers are interested in because they do want to 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 write different about different cultures or different backgrounds or whatever the case may be, but they keep getting attacked because they're doing something wrong or they're not representing that culture the right way or whatever the case may be. Do you see there any way around that at all? Or is there, should there be like courses taught about how to, like, here's your diverse diversity course so you can learn how to write diverse characters? I think that there are ways to do that. I think that, I mean, if you go through some of the discussion that we had in those couple days, that there's some good points that got brought up, but reach out to people of the diverse group that who you're trying to write and ask for feedback is pretty much the one that we saw as the most referenced as an acceptable way. You know, and, and that, that discussion online, you know, both in our fantasy and, and elsewhere, it uh, it didn't have an answer, did it? It really came down to engaging uh, to a large degree. And then, you, you know, you just have to apply whether or not this is the right uh, time and the right the right type of writing to uh, be doing exactly that. And, and we're at a, a stage in our society where you have to reflect as to your own background and whether this, how is that going to play uh, within there? So, you know, that's that's going to be a dance that each author is going to have to weave in, in their own works and, and own situation. I know they're, it's just ongoing at this stage. There's a desire uh, to support things in, in, in diversity and making sure that there's better inclusion in writing. And on the flip side, there's uh, a, a level of judgmentalism around that about whether this was the appropriate person to do it in the right setting and did you do it right. And um, I know it makes a lot of folks nervous who, who are actually very supportive of this area. For us... And in our fantasy and diversity, we are um, we don't push. Uh, but what we do is we quietly bring diversity into uh, our fantasy. So uh, diversity of genre. So uh, bringing in um, uh, people from you know, writing different types of speculative fiction. We have to reach out to those folks when we want to bring them in. Early on, I noticed the pattern that we probably had. Maybe these were the first 10, 15 AMAs we did. And, and I think we only had two female writers in. And uh, so I started exploring that with the authors that had been in already. I said, why, you know, why is it naturally gravitating towards 
towards that. And they just explain that's that's almost an industry pattern. So, you know, it for those who are not part of the mainstream publishing processes or the mainstream thought process, we, we mods actively try to bring them in. And you'll see things like, um, oh, we hosted a Spanish week. So we're trying to bring in more internationals. Uh, hosted an artist and illustrator week. If there's one group of people that's suffering more out there from exposure than uh, authors, it's the, the people that do the book covers. And if there's any group that's more quiet and introverted, you know, and, and <laughs> but, to, but, to, but to work with, you know, I've worked with, worked with uh, Don Mites, the guy that, you know, Jenny Wirtz and some of the leaders in that industry and then some of the newer ones like Noah Bradley and others to say, does this make sense? You know, and, and engagement with the leaders in the community that we knew and then be able to, to say, yeah, it does make sense and build it out from there. So I think, um, you know, to sort of answer your question, it, it, that inclusion and doing it in a way where you're not pounding the drum saying, look at me, I've, I've created a new character that, that fits, you know, a, a level of diversity. Um, just some level of inclusion helps move it a little bit better towards that's, that's okay. And that's a little bit better. In our case, you know, like what we talked about earlier, you're talking to a couple of bureaucrats here who were not pushing agendas. We're just trying to build that into the community as something that's, hey, that's probably healthy for us. You know, it's probably healthy for us to, to uh, create a new wiki. It's healthy for us to create a new process. It's healthy for us to bring some, some genre diversity in. Let's bring artists in, you know, uh, let's bring in um, um, publishers to talk about what they do in the industry. That's our version of, of, of helping those that don't have a voice to, to get a little bit bigger voice. We'll always get the big names that, that, that want to come in and we'll always get the publishers coming in and, and pushing who they want. And then push isn't a bad thing in that case. They'll just be saying, hey, can we set up a, a new author that we're publishing for XYZ publisher? We'll say, sure, we'll set it up. But there's those authors and creators and people in the industry who need somebody to reach out to them. And that's that extra effort I think we put into the community is to bring them into the fold and, and find out about their experience. Uh, you heard from Wish uh, how we think, which is how did that go? You know, is it, is it something we can measure? Uh, is it something that, uh, how was the experience? You know, you just look them in the eye and talk about it. What can we be doing better? Is a constantly thing that's going on in the background. It doesn't make for great news, uh, but that's how we handle our fantasy. So in addition to um, exploring diversity and uh, creating communication and community within the forum, uh, you also recognize talent uh, in the form of a Stabby Award, uh, which has been going on since uh, 2012. You've uh, had a process for nominating and naming winners for uh, standout works in fantasy fiction. Maybe give us an idea of how the Stabby Awards uh, came together and uh, how they're going so far. Uh, it was a best of award that had been discussed by the community. Maybe we should be doing something where we recognize the best of. And uh, so for that year, it was not many of us in the moderating area. I just said, well, let's just go ahead and set it up for this year. We'll set up a voting using our upvote, downvote process. Um, engagement with the community. Is this the best way to do it? What categories would you like? Uh, that kind of points towards our moderating style. For big things like this, we want to get community feedback and adjustment because it it, uh, it shows a level of inclusion. And, and quite frankly, we're not clever enough to come up with everything ourselves. But <laughs> but the ability, the, the, this is something we would like to do is usually what we start with there. And this is how we'd like to do it. And then they started talking about awards, and um, uh, I just said, I'll figure something out. And, and ended up finding, um, we had an EMA with this group coming up, uh, strongblade.com, uh, did engraving at a reasonable price. They had a whole bunch of different things I could engrave. And I picked a, a dagger that was reasonably priced because we, um, we do this as a volunteer effort. Uh, so there's no money involved in our fantasy other than people 
putting their own money into shipping books to people. They do their own things. And uh, they said, yeah, we can, we can engrave some daggers for you on a regular basis. We'll save as many as you need. We'll ship them out to the people involved. So that first year, best of, uh, involved this, uh, a dagger. And uh, over the next year, there was a discussion around we should name the award. So I set up a contest and, and, and put it out there, and, and Mark Lawrence popped on and said we should call it the Stabby Awards. It was like the first post, and I'm like, okay, we're done. You know, <laughs> it's the Stabbies. And uh, everybody jumped on board and said, that's the right answer. It's, a, it's the Stabby Awards. So since then, it's been a, a process of it's pure popularity. Uh, it has everything that comes with the pure popularity vote, which means uh, if somebody's going to try to game it, we have to keep an eye on that. And, you know, we've seen it a couple of times where, where, where a complete unknown is rising in, 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 the, uh, in the voting process. And I'll reach out to the publisher and say, yeah, that, that's probably not a good idea. You don't want to be outed for that. And uh, then the, the name will drop off. And um, so it is one of those where, you know, it is a positive, but at the same time, there's the, the, the things that hit uh, the Hugo Awards that uh, we, won't, we won't allow to hit us um, just because it's sort of kind of, you know, it's a community vote and we want to make sure it's part of the community. So each year it's a pure vote on popularity. The categories keep morphing because we're not a publisher and we're not going to say what is the best 1,000 word short story, what's the best 1,000 to 3,000 word novella. You know, it's like, ah. You know, I don't think real fans don't care as much about that as much as the as the publishing industry. So we'll continue to morph it, and then the stabbies go out to those that uh, that win the the top awards. The others in the industry kind of get a get a nod or a thank you or or a bit of flair on their uh, our fantasy. I've done the voting, run the voting side of it the past couple years. So first year, we pretty much just copied the process that was in place. And it didn't really change a whole lot that first year. But it's a pretty simple process. The way that Reddit is not perfectly set up for running this sort of voting. And we had talked a little bit about setting it up for off of Reddit voting. And we've talked about it each year, actually, but it always just doesn't seem to make much sense. It's it's a Reddit award and we want to keep it on Reddit. And so the rules are all set up in the comments or in the post at the very top and all of the nominations are done in one post. And so those get discussed in one first post and then the voting occurs in a separate post so that um, that thread can be essentially the comments are made so that only moderators can see how many votes they have. And that helps keep people from voting for things that they think are popular and so that they vote for the things that they actually want to vote for. Now, that still results in very, very popular things being chosen, (laughs) as you might see from past winners. But when we as mods look at the voting as it happens, there's a good distribution. And the way that Reddit is set up, we can't prevent people from voting for more than one thing. So that also keeps it interesting. From the show perspective, at least, we we follow awards usually, um, and Stabby's is definitely one that we kept an eye on. And we actually, when we had Michael J. Sullivan on the show, we saw that uh, his cover artist, Mark Simonetti, had actually won uh, the Stabby for Best Cover Art for his book. And uh, he didn't even know that. So we're, and uh, But no, uh, we definitely recognize the Stabby, and I see it as definitely an award to watch uh, annually at this point. I kind of see it like a People's Choice Award, almost, right. like... Uh, it's not voted by a committee or fellow authors in general. It's more of a uh, the people that are in the that are on the forum on a regular basis, and and I think that means more to the authors even if they're getting picked by 
the, the fans specifically and not some, you know, like the Oscars are, I guess. <laughs> however that <laughs> right. however that works. Phil, that's a good observation because when, uh, you know, as I bumbled my way through this industry, one of the things I I used to do regularly was put Hugo eligible works and gather those and email all the authors that had been through AMAs to say, would you want you know your editor on that list? Would you want your cover artist on the list? Do you want to be on the list? And there was a category of, of writers who felt, they said, I'm not a Hugo Award type writer. I won't ever be recognized uh, for that. And these are the authors out there writing a uh, um, you know, sword and sorcery. Uh, they're mm. writing the 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 you know the, even the Terry Pratchetts of, of the world type of writers. That it, it is not an award. You know, they either felt a bit ostracized or they felt like you know it's just not. I'm not going to get recognized for that type of thing. And then I I get them to put their their editor on there instead. But um, the the magnitude of an award like that is is fantastic. But you did have a group that just felt you know, I'm just not going to get. I'm not going to win. I'm not of that that ilk. And uh, they felt um, much more appreciative when they were put on. The list of just what the fans wanted to get. So I think I think you just clarified something for us a bit more about where we sit. It's also a, a I'll take a little jab. It's a little philosophy that if you don't you know if you're finding that an award doesn't match what you believe awards should match, then you know go create your own. You know, yeah, it's, I'm, we're not there to knock the Hugos. Let's just put it that way. We're there to say, <laughs> uh, if, if if that doesn't match what you write and what you do, and 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 doesn't provide the the type of recognition that you think authors should have, go create your own award. You know, go set things up so it complements or supplements that, and and move on. Celebrate things uh, rather than destroy. So kind of one of our little jabby philosophies with the savvy there. Yeah, I think Phil hit it on the head as far as like a People's Choice Award. Our fantasy has almost 90,000 subscribers. So, I mean, it's a huge community of people who are ideally somewhat widely read and um, kind of have an idea for what's what's good and what's not. And uh, with the variety of awards that you issue for things like Best Novel, Best Debut Novel, Best Anthology, Best Artwork, even for the Best Fantasy site. I mean, you've got a wide variety, but you're, you're noting uh, the good work out there and it's with go. such a huge community, I think you're really tapping into the pulse of, of what fans are digging. And uh, I think the stabby reflects that. One aspect of the community that I that I always find interesting is hearing readers who read, I'll probably say this word wrong, I always mispronounce shit all the time. <laughs> Vora- voraciously, I don't know if that's how you say it. Voraciously, maybe. Voraciously. <laughs> voraciously. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm guessing a lot of a lot of these readers are are voting for the stabbies also. So these are people. These aren't just like ran, random people that have read a couple of books. They've probably read most of what's been offered. And the recommendation threads I know are like a big thing. Um, yes. You know, oh, I read uh, I read uh, Stephen Erickson or I read George Martin. What else should I read? Or I read there you uh, go. <laughs> what else should I read? Yeah, it's how I find my books, which is well, I enjoyed this. What else would I like? Yeah. What I'm interested in from a, a moderator's perspective, who are some writers at the moment that you always recommend to people like when they pop up in these threads like you should go read this person right away? Anybody you must get who, sick of this question, but No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, because I have a couple pet authors who I recommend in most of those instances actually. I recommend Sherwood Smith and her Inda series to almost everyone who is looking for epic fantasy because it's got 
pirates. It has a very martial element. There is really, really strong political side. Great, diverse cast. Sherwood deserves to be one of the most recognized authors alive today, and she's not. Kind of because of a twist of fate of when she was published. I also recommend Courtney Schaefer's Shattered Sigil trilogy to basically everyone. It's finished. Same with Inda. Inda is finished. So these people who are worried, oh, you know, I've, I've been burned by Rothfuss or Martin. Go read these. They're done. You, you're not going to get burned. <laughs> um, Courtney's books are super fast-paced. I haven't stayed up late to read in a really, really long time because I have a two-hour commute every day. And Courtney's books kept me up late. So that's saying a lot. And I also really, really recommend Kate Elliott's Crossroads trilogy, which is sort of the prequel trilogy to her new book that came out in November, Black Wolves. Again, really, really great diverse cast, great politics. There are eagles that carry people and a really interesting magic system. That's also a finished trilogy. Those are kind of my big three that I recommend to lots of people. So do you recommend these people when the when the Brandon Sanderson threads come up? That's you're like, oh, here's a Brandon Sanderson thread. You know, when people when the thing that I really try to get people to do, and this is why, again, this is why I set up auto moderator, because auto moderator asks you to go read the recommendation wiki and tell people what you liked about the books that you've read. Um, And oftentimes people ignore automod to their detriment because then people have to ask okay what did you like about brandon sanderson what how to ask a good question online yeah that's right (laughs) Right. How right how do you phrase it so you get what you really want rather than what you've asked yeah right so strangely i had somebody tell me the other day that they actually liked brandon sanderson's characters rather than their magic or rather than his magic system which blew me away because that's usually a criticism of sanderson but i didn't even know what to say to that (laughs) um thankfully other people stepped in when people say that they like sanderson's magic i will certainly send them in the direction of courtney because courtney's magic system is pretty well defined and is pretty powerful she's an engineer yeah she is an engineer courtney's brilliant actually and not just in the writer sense in the engineering sense she went to caltech she's brilliant so people who want martin you know, the politics, the big world building, I send towards Inda or towards Kate because the Inda books, um, Sherwood Smith has been working in that world since she was 12 years old. So, I mean, if you want to talk about the scale of world building that she's done, you know, Martin based Westeros on our history. So, you know, he he had some bones to work from. The world of Sartorius Delis, where Inda is set, is basically all made up from Sherwood's head since she was 12 years old. So <laughs> there is a ton of backstory there to work from, and it's incredible. So, Steve, why don't you talk about what you recommend? <laughs> <laughs> so it uh, for me, I'm much more holistic about this. It is, 
if you enjoyed reading Dragonlance books, that's fantastic. Then it, you know, then let's go shift you over to some sword and sorcery. You're going to go read some Fritz Lieber, or we're going to we're going to send you over to some of the newer authors that write sword and sorcery that you may enjoy. If you're of a, a certain age, you know that's what you want. Maybe you maybe you want a, a drow elf that spins in circles with scimitars. That's great. You know, I really enjoyed that when I was at that age, and there's even people that still enjoy it today. And 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 for me, it's it's not knocking what they enjoy. It's it's the ability to connect it to others that are very popular popular, very similar to that, or maybe a little bit of a stretch, but you're trying to build that next connection. And and a lot of what Wish was talking about is trying to bridge them to new authors that you may not have heard of, but are up and coming and, and to be able to help uh, see whether that... Um, that, that science fiction fantasy fan can become a fan of the Kate Elliott's uh, or Courtney Schaefer's or others within that genre. So I'm much, I mean, I'm, I am much uh, very unjudgmental about what people like and don't like. I'm just very glad to be able to connect uh, those within there. A lot of our processes we put in place are set up just for that. It's okay. You love Sanderson. I just finished yet another Sanderson uh, audio tape. It was fine. I, I enjoyed it. It was great for my 5K runs and, and I could keep on pace and i and, uh, I'm not going to knock it. And at the same time, you know, why don't you shift over here? Here's some that didn't get the exposure they had out of the uh, publishing in, in the 80s and 90s that are actually very, very good. So Janie Wirtz is a is a amazing for somebody out of our generation, new generation, discovery of somebody who fell out of the publishing cracks and uh, is an extraordinary writer, very good artist, uh, who is uh, finding a new voice online uh, as somebody who, uh, through our fantasy and th- things like that, whereas she would have just kind of faded off into the, um, you know, into the half price book section of, of, of stuff. In the, and she's still trying to bring herself back into this world. And it's, it's a very interesting struggle. And then you always have the new artists, uh, some gems. Gems are like uh, Teresa Frohawk or T. Frohawk and, and others that are just breaking into the industry that have something special. Some award-winning ones like Robert Jackson Bennett are ones that I have in my prose section. If you like Guy Gabriel Kay, you're going to find his works to be quite good. Um, Joe Abercrombie was not as popular as he is today when our fantasy started. Uh, he was fairly new to the scene, very popular in the UK, but not at all in the US. And um, his popularity, there's no there's no question for him, it was only exposure that he needed. He needed to have that linkage. If you liked reading blank, you would like to read Joe Abercrombie. And those connections that, that he facilitated were some of the things that helped build the recognition for some pretty good work. I mean, really good work. If you like something, what do you like? What age are you at? Here's your recommendations. And and if you like something else there, you can continue to connect. Done that a lot over the years with Michael J. Sullivan and the Younger uh, reading set. It is uh, very, you know, very much like a Sanderson, meaning that that once you enjoy that type of reading, it's just so well written, you're going to like it. And all of my uh, nieces and nephews who are now in college uh, are huge fans of his works. So it's interesting to see somebody come out of out of those connect- connectivities out of the independent writing sector and now into the full publishing because of those types of things. So I can name a, you know, if you say, if you like so-and-so, I can probably name a couple more for you. But, but really, that's for me, that's the, the basis is, is be less judgmental of what they like and then say, there's, there's stuff out there that you're going to enjoy. That's why we, have a, that's why we had uh, Margaret Weiss in and, and people from that writing and background because there's a huge fan base for it. And uh, it's not up to us in our fantasy as, as mods or as a community, in my belief, to judge them for that. Just welcome in. You know, that's what you love. You'll find other things just like it. 
So we've gone really long. We're going to have to wrap it up here, unfortunately, for this offering. Um, but I would like to at least uh, have one last closing topic, and that would be uh, what tips uh, you would both offer to either new users or current users on best practices, tips on be- being the best Redditor possible uh, when interacting with folks on our fantasy. Don't be okay, an asshole. Uh, no, I'll be an asshole. Basically. You know, I think the biggest uh, tips I have for people are, are if you – if you're an author, is engage in the community and provide your your provide your view on how things are going. Become a, a member as much as you you know you don't have to commit to quite a bit, but in general, if you see a topic that you think you're you, you can answer a question on, just get involved. We've seen people over over a year or two years build an enormous fan base, and you can't tie the the, the sales figures that they have to their activity within our fantasy. But there's a strong correlation, and it really comes down to if you're a member of the community and 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 genuinely part of it that's a it's a huge boost for those who want to check out your books and that's uh, as as wish pointed out earlier that's 60 percent of what people want if they enjoy the person they'll check out their books and if their books are good then then it goes from there and if they're okay well they still enjoy the person and then from a member standpoint you know we we get about a uh if we have 8,500 uniques through a day on an AMA, we might get um, 10 questions. And the, the percentage is consistent, whether it's uh, our fantasy or any other forum out there. There's people that watch and observe and, and, and lurk and those that contribute. And the best thing that can happen is contribute. Just pop in and, and drop off a question or pop in and drop off something you thought was interesting news in, in the industry or about a book or ask a question that, that gets a discussion going. And that's how we get people to shift from the thousands of people that come through each day and observe to somebody that actually provides content and discussion. And that's that's what creates a healthy community. So I would say for authors, participate in the community in just regular threads. Um, Steve's talked a little bit about Janny Wirtz. Janny talks about insider stuff from the publishing angle that I had never dreamed of. And it's fascinating. Krista D. Ball talks about that from the self-publishing side of the industry. And it's also fascinating. And so I like to be an informed consumer in most realms of my life. And it's really, really hard to do that with books for some reason. And because of our fantasy, I'm much more informed than I ever could have hoped to be, mostly because of authors who are coming and giving us that information. And so that's really helpful. We also have authors and mostly it's coming in the form of blog posts that they're submitting, but they're sharing their revenue, essentially. So we have several authors who are doing that throughout the year. That's good information for other authors who are published by publishing houses, but also for the self-publishers or self-publishing authors who are looking to sign a deal, the self-published authors who are looking to, you know, say, well, I'm actually doing pretty well for myself. Maybe I'll just stay where I'm at because more information usually is better for everybody. So it's also really interesting for just readers to know how authors are doing. My boyfriend is not a reader at all, and he sees all the names on my shelves, and he thinks that most of them are really rich people. And I'm like, well, no, mostly just that Sanderson guy. Um, <laughs> and it took him years to get there and, and a lot of hard work. it took a yeah. lot of hard work and, yeah. and p- writing like a robot. <laughs> so... <laughs> When they interact in a lot of different ways, that's really useful. But also just, you know, in threads that they have something interesting to say. But also, you know, drop something off 
in the self-promo thread. Just because you're not getting a lot of interaction from users in the self-promo thread doesn't mean that users aren't looking at that thread because that's where people know to go to find information from the authors about the books. As far as the user just sort of general side goes, sort by new. That's where all of the interesting conversations happen. Don't just look at the front page because you might miss really interesting things that don't get very upvoted. Also sort by new in comment threads because there might be things that somebody's downvoted for no good reason. We've had probably for the past two months uh, some lurking trolls who have just been downvoting everything lately. And I, I wish I was joking, but I sort by new basically every day and everything has been getting downvoted for no good reason. So I try to go through and upvote everything just so that it gets more visibility. Comment in the Friday thread. That's where we build the community. And that's where you're going to get to know people. That's where we talk about, you know, what we've read throughout the week. That's where you're going to get a little bit more information about, you know, what other users like to read. And so you can kind of keep in the back of your mind, oh, I kind of share tastes with such and such user. I should pay attention to what they're reading because I will probably like something that they've read also. And yeah. Don't, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> I, I'm going to add a couple of things. Some of the things we've done over the past couple of years is starting to bridge the community to uh, real life. So Worldcon in San Antonio was the first one of those. Wish ended up heading up our efforts at World, Worldcon out of Washington. Things like Confusion, we'll have a presence in, in Gen Con coming up this year. We'll have a presence as well. That is just extending, and, and part of that goal is to extend uh, uh, the community into real life. These are the same authors that we have on for AMAs. What we do is we'll set up events and, and, and pop AMAs and things of value at these cons, especially the cons that want to have us there and invite us in and recognize that, that the connection to an online user base of this magnitude only helps them out. So Confusion out of Michigan is one that consistently does that. Mark Tassin and, and his efforts out of Gen Con is another big one coming up. So events like uh, Drinks with Authors uh, are one that, that we help facilitate, but it ends up being uh, the authors themselves and, and the publishers sometimes and, uh, and the, uh, our fantasy uh, membership showing up and organizing and building something of magnitude. So, for example, the one in, in San Antonio, we probably had, we had every Hugo nominee at that event. Uh, we had um, uh, probably 250 people packing this place where authors were signing books and handing them to uh, fans, meaning one-on-one. -on -one. And the core of that leadership was based off of Robin Hobb, uh, who uh, is a, a strong supporter of the community, the art fantasy community itself. There were members there like uh, Megan O'Keefe, who wasn't even a published author at that stage, who was, was helping out. And then we had uh, all the other authors, um, Justin Landon, uh, was a good core of that, Mike Cole. But the point was, is there was a need to help bridge fans and authors and people in the industry uh, in, a, in a decent setting and um, to bridge that into the real world as well. It just wasn't being met. So you'll see some more of those. But once again, this is a volunteer effort. So this is, this is Wish's vacation time that she spent. This is my <laughs> vacation time that we spent doing it. So it's, since it's not a, a for-profit enterprise and since we don't own the Reddit brand, we're not, uh, we're not pushing it 
it too much, but you'll see these coming up, and it's enough value that um, uh, we do get invited uh, out there to continue this type of behavior. Same thing we've built online through our fantasy to help build it and make that connectivity in, in real world. So are there any forthcoming events that you know that you're scheduled to be at presently, or is it still in the works? Gen Con for, uh, I'll be at Gen Con and, and the authors that um, will be supporting um, uh, probably a Drinks with Authors. Um, Gen Con and, and Mark Tassin have want our fantasy to come in and, and help and help make that a better experience for their authors and the people there. As far as Worldcon in Spokane went, we were given booth space, and our booth space was actually pretty primo location inside the convention center, right near the doors. And so we had a lot of foot traffic, but as far as drinks with authors went, we went to Black Label Brewing Company, which was only just a couple blocks away from the convention center. And I found them basically just through looking at Google Maps and going, okay, well, that's close. I'll get in contact with them and figure out how much space they have how many people do you think attended <sighs> hundreds i it was yeah. huge it was huge i actually had a sort of and i don't get panic attacks but i kind of freaked <laughs> out at the beginning so i went and sat outside because it was so claustrophobic <laughs> to begin we with were, we were texting we were doing things everybody was networking the, the thing was is is through wishes leadership this came together but it was the organizational leadership it it, it was the authors uh, that mm-hmm. that that bonded together and said, "This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it." Uh, some other our fantasy members showed up as well, and and they followed Wish's lead. And and it it wasn't as it was somewhat organic. But the point was in all of this, it was it was a real need out there where people said, "We're not. We want this experience." And uh, um, it's been interesting to have uh, somebody of of Wish's leadership caliber to just go in there and make something like that happen. And and it's just only made the community better. Uh, uh, in the science fiction fantasy community better for these things. So I think for us coming up, I, I don't think I'm going to make, uh, because of my vacation schedule, the um, uh, w- the next World Con, but Gen Con for sure. And uh, we're, we're starting to plan, we being the suspects of, of authors and, and, and people in the industry who, who value this, we're going to start planning another drinks with authors and AMAs. And, and if we decide to make something up that helps connect fans and, and authors and, and industry people like the you know podcast industry, Street, we're going to do it. You know, we're going to make it happen. And uh, as long as we continue to have uh, individuals step up uh, and be able to bridge that out. Reddit.com slash r slash fantasy is the website. Uh, Alcesa Grande and Wish for a Giraffe have been our guests today. Both of you, thank you so much for hanging out. This has been the longest recording that we've done for the podcast since its inception. <laughs> and I think it's because we have... Uh, fans of the genre you and i and phil um all us together i think uh we love fantasy and i think that's why we're having this conversation today and that's why you guys mob the website on a volunteer basis that's why we do this show for zero dollars it's not about dollars it's not about money it's about love for speculative fiction and uh you guys are definitely passionate for the genre and i'm glad that you're up at the helm making sure those trolls stay away but uh, thank you so much for taking the the time to hang out with us today and share your insights uh we didn't even cover everything with as long as we went today uh, but it was great to learn more about our fantasy and uh we just appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us today thanks for having us cheers thanks jen you can find us online at facebook.com slash the Grim Tidings Podcast or on Twitter at Grim Dark Fiction. Download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. And if you like the show, please share it and leave a review. And be sure to drop by our Facebook group, Grim Dark Fiction Readers and Writers, for daily updates on all things Grim Dark. 
On behalf of co-host Philip Overby and myself, Rob Matheny, thanks for listening to this episode of the Grim Tidings Podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>